How do you do, neighbor? It's Berean Spirits time once again. The boys have gathered around, and they're ready for you. So join in, make comments, and study with the guys as they try to study as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. Now, here's the guys. Welcome back to Berean Spirits. My name is Chris Peltz. I am the evangelist with the Southside Church of Christ in Springfield, Missouri. And we have joining us Mr. Richard Dodson up in Kearney, Missouri with the Kearney Church of Christ. Richard, you doing all right today, man? Doing good, guys. How are we doing? Everything yeah. great? So far. Good deal. Yep. We got Josh Thornhill with the Brookmead Church of Christ in Johnson City, Tennessee. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Folks, we appreciate everybody who tunes in and joins our conversation every Thursday morning. If you haven't already, now's a great time to hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up as well and share it out as we get started. And if you want to join the conversation, be sure and leave a comment as well. Today, we're going to be talking about what is lacking in our faith. And this is something that the Bible actually has a lot to say about, uh, about growth, about learning, and about uh, building up uh, ourselves and one another, of course. But uh, we're going to be looking at uh, a few different verses. This is based on 1 Thessalonians 3 and in verse 10, uh, which uh, Paul talking about wanting to uh, help them, encourage them, and establish what is lacking in their faith. And of course, the Bible talks about adding to your faith several different things uh, that we will get into. But Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, he says there, to add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge self-control, to your self-control patience, to your patience godliness, to your godliness brotherly kindness, to your brotherly kindness add love. And so we see this process. We see this growth that takes place of various things that builds upon the very foundation of faith. And so that's what we're going to be getting into is building on that foundation of faith. And of course, uh, it all begins with the word of God, right? Because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 verse 17. So that's going to be uh, kind of the foundation, the very beginning of of uh, of all things, of where our faith is coming from, the faith that has been established, that has been delivered, that we can know uh, and be built up in. Uh, but along with that, in, in adding to our faith, there's a lot that I, I think needs to go into this particular discussion. And before we can get into some of the various things mentioned in Second Peter chapter 1, Josh, you know, the, the the respect for authority and reverence are a couple of things that uh, really are fundamental if we're going to be able to be successful in, uh, I think, building upon the faith that comes from hearing the Word of God. Right. And I'm, I'm trying to pull up my thing here so I can look up the actual Greek, but... Um, the word or the idea of reverence, the concept at least, is found there in Second Peter, uh, 
chapter 1, not in the word that we would think, though, uh, but with the word reverence, uh, I mean, excuse me, godliness. Um, My uh, program here isn't working here this morning yet, so Um, the idea of reverence is really that concept of godliness, and if I, my computer will cooperate here in a minute, I can give us a definition. But reverence starts with an understanding of who God is, uh, recognizing the majesty of God, recognizing God is the creator of all things. He's the sustainer of all things. He's the provider of all things. And and until we have that, that foundation of God as our, uh, as our creator and, and hold God up as the holy and awesome and, and mighty God, uh, our faith is going to be lacking, period. If we don't have a proper view of God, then our faith will be lacking. And that's why reverence is something that's so important. Um, that's why <clears throat> we need to, to recognize uh, the holiness of God. For example, in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah sees this vision of the throne room of God, uh, we often hear stories, you know, these books that are written, I died and went to heaven, and here's my story. And it's these fanciful ideas. You read Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah goes to the throne room of God. And what's overwhelming him is the presence of God. Woe is me, for I am undone. For my eyes have seen the king. I, I dwell in the midst of an unclean a people of unclean lips. And he says, my eyes have seen the king. Basically, Isaiah says, I'm not worthy to stand before the holy God. And, and the the angels or the cherubim or whatever those creatures, the winged creatures are saying there is holy, holy, holy. Now, in our English, that just seems like a a kind of repetition there, but in Hebrew, it means a whole lot more. Uh, If you look in the book of Exodus, for instance, the concept regarding the holy place or the most holy place our English Bibles would say most holy. It is most holy or the most holy place. But in Hebrew, they don't have those superlatives like we would. And so they would just repeat the word. So in the actual Hebrew, it would say holy, holy in reference to that particular part of the tabernacle. And so in the book of Isaiah, when he says holy, 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 what he's doing is emphasizing the holiness, the supreme holiness of God, as a little child might say, super duper, extra, extra holy, or holy times infinity, as a a kid might say. Um, What he's doing is emphasizing the holiness, and and Isaiah is recognizing the fact that he is, that God is supremely holy, and we are not, um, we are not worthy uh, to stand in his presence. And so when we have that view of God's holiness, it ought to, it must transform our lives. A proper view of God's holiness, of reverence for God, is going to transform our lives. It's going to affect the way that we, we worship God. Uh, we're not going to approach Him flippantly. We're going to approach Him with a, a reverent, with a true heart, sincerity, because we recognize we're worshiping the, the Almighty God of heaven. Uh, but it's also going to, Uh, transform our lives not just as we gather 
with the Lord's people, but it's going to transform our lives each and every day. Uh, we recognize that everything that belongs to God is holy. You think about the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Uh, the tabernacle was holy. The temple was holy. Israel was holy. And moving over to second, or first Peter chapter two, God's people, Christians today are to be holy. You are that holy nation. And so I need to recognize that I have to be holy if I want to dwell with God. And that leads me to perfect my life in holiness. Second Peter or second Corinthians seven and verse one. Um, it's not going to mean that I'm just going to be holy in or do holy things. Uh, there are a lot of people that are doing holy things like they gather on Sunday, uh, but the rest of the week, they're not very holy. But if Peter says in first Peter one, be holy in all your conduct. And so when I appreciate the holiness of God, I'll be like Peter in Luke chapter five, uh, where Jesus tells them to cast out into the deep. And Peter's kind of like, uh, we've been out here all night, Lord. And he says, but at your word, I will. And so they cast down into the deep and it says their nets were breaking. There were so many fish. And so Peter jumps out of the boat. He falls down before his, the, on his face before the Lord and says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Peter saw Jesus for who he was on that occasion. And when we have that reverence for God, it's going to be our desire to please God in all things, not just on Sunday morning. I'm going to please God in every part of my life. Re reverence is vital. And if I, reverence is lacking, everything is going to be lacking in my life until I have that true and proper view of the Almighty. And I've seated him on his throne, not just at, on his actual throne, but on the throne of my heart, uh, then my faith will be lacking in, in several areas. Uh, I think reverence is a, a good starting point because without it, our life will never be what it ought to be. You know, uh, when you look at and you talk about the idea there of reverence, there's several things that come to mind that kind of are contrasted with the view of reverence. John 12, verse 42 and 43, for example, and uh, there it says that many people believed on Jesus but would not confess him, fearing being put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. I mean, that that is a, uh, you know, at the heart of the issue, an idea, a, a lack of what, you know, showing that while they believed there was something lacking in their faith, and, and it really began with reverence, for God, that respect, that honor, that that awe that you would have for who Jesus is, for who God is. I think about 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 6, where he says, do not think of men above what is written. Um, and really the idea more so than anything is understanding that the, the word of God is God breathed. And when we think of men above that, we, we're not reverencing God. Uh, and finally, Romans 3, verse 4, let God be true and every man a liar. You know, all of these admonitions are are showing the the fact that there is an issue when God is not reverenced. And, and it is manifest, I think, in these ways where we, we uh, fear men more than we fear God. We praise men above God and above his word. And we believe men over God and the word that has been delivered. And so uh, reverence is, is vital in understanding um, the, you know, who God is and how we should be approaching uh, 
him and his word. I want to add to that real quick. Um, you mentioned when God's not reverenced, we place the emphasis on men instead. I think the biggest danger is the emphasis becomes us. Yeah. We're the ones that we're honoring. We're the ones that we're serving. And we've got it backwards. God says we're to humble ourselves. We're to, to surrender ourselves in order to be uh, faithful and, and honoring to the Lord. Uh, and so when we don't reverence God too often, it's because we reverence ourselves far more than we should. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Richard? I think, yeah, I, I wanted to add, Chris, you mentioned respect. And uh, I know Josh was looking earlier for the definition of godliness. And that's one of the words that's used to uh, define it. And uh, Josh preached a really, I mean, just a most excellent lesson on reverence. And I'll try to find the uh, YouTube link and, and put it in the comments uh, so people could listen to the lesson because it was a very good lesson. But Josh mentioned in his lesson about Nadab and Abihu. And if you remember the story in Leviticus 10 about Nadab and Abihu, the, the fire of the Lord consumed the burnt offerings, and everyone was just shocked and amazed. I mean, that's just something you don't see every day. And when things like this happen in the Bible, that's when everybody knows their place, is when something like that takes place. Uh, people have that respect they're supposed to have. But unfortunately for Nadab and Abihu, they seem to have lacked that. Even with this happening in front of them, because they offered that strange fire before the Lord that he did not command, and they were consumed. The Lord destroyed them. Uh, the Lord, and this is something that's important, the Lord demands reverence. He demands it. In fact, he has stated as such that he's going to get it. One way or the other, man is going to give him his reverence. Uh Paul said in Romans 14, 11, as it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. And so that each, each of us will give an account of himself to God. There will be a time if we don't bow our knee before God and show him reverence in this life on judgment day, we will bow our knee. We will show God reverence. But at that point, it's going to be too late. Uh, I think it's most important, and, and I think that's a, a good thing for us to start this study off uh, with this very topic. What we lack in our faith is a, a general question that many people have asked, and that has come up uh, even in the Bible. Uh, the rich young man in Matthew chapter 19, when he came up to Jesus, that was one of the questions he asked. What do I lack? What do I still lack? And so when we're thinking about our spiritual lives, then we have to ask ourselves, what do I lack in regard to faith? And reverence, for me, reverence has to be right at the start. Everything's going to have to fill in between because you have to give God his just due. You have to recognize him as the creator and as God, because without that, I don't think anything else is going to come about. I don't think anything's going to happen. Uh, nothing good for you. You have to have respect for God. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, just as a little side note real quick, and, and Josh, you can help me out with this probably. 
the the idea of reverence and reverend, right? The term reverend, uh, the scriptures, you know, refer to God holy and reverend is your name uh, in the book of Psalms. And, and that's the only one or only time that uh, God, that anyone, anything is ever referenced or referred to as reverend or, you know, as far as, um, you know, directly. Uh, and, and it's God, God is the one. And so, you know, we don't use the term reverend today uh, as far as the church is concerned. Oh, it's used in the religious world. And there are those, and this goes to your point earlier, Josh, about being selfish. You know, anyone who refers to themselves or wants others to refer to them as reverend uh, is selfish. Um, it is a selfish act it, because it, what you're saying is I'm the awesome one, right? You know, the, so if it was like Reverend Thornhill, it'd be the awesome Thornhill. That's basically what you were saying and what you're wanting others to call you. And that is extremely selfish and self-centered and takes the focus off of God, which is where our focus needs to be. I appreciate the thought, but you don't have to call me that. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. It'll never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> So, but go ahead, Josh. More more thoughts on this? Oh, okay. Uh, um, Richard, I think he, he's right as far as the the native and Abihu thing. Um, go back to Leviticus ten, and you know when we read that, uh, we might just think, "What's the big deal?" You know, they they got their fire from a different spot. No big deal, right? Well, um, you think about Nadab and Abihu, God specifically chooses them to come with Aaron in Exodus, the book of Exodus. They, they're the ones that are chosen to come up onto the mountain with Moses. Uh, they, they've heard the voice of God as he spoke with the people on Mount Sinai. Uh, they were chosen to go up and, and essentially eat a meal with God. Uh, they were there in, in Exodus 32 when Moses comes down from the mountain and uh, sees that the golden calf has been formed and Moses grinds it into a powder and makes the people drink it. He's They're there. And they're there when you know Israel, uh, throughout all of this the, these events there in the book of Exodus and, and, and see all these grand things that God has done for the people, and then all of a sudden you have them offering or profaning the sacrifice to God. And on the surface, we might think that's no big deal. But in verse three, God says to Moses, you tell Aaron by those who come before me, I must be regarded as holy. And I think the significance there is you have Nadam and Abihu who's witnessed the power of God They've been blessed by God because of their position, and they're leading the people of Israel in sacrifice to the Lord. And if they're profaning it, that's just going to trickle down further and further to the rest of the nation, and God says, I'm not going to have it. And so God strikes them dead for their irreverence because he doesn't want the rest of the people uh, to be influenced by their irreverence. And you remember in Acts chapter 5 when Ananias and Sapphira were killed no not in is that yeah yeah 
That's okay. right. I was thinking of uh, Aquila and Priscilla. I was yeah. like, did I get that mixed up? No, no, no. They um, were they were good people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking like, did I say the wrong thing? Yeah, right. Ananias and Sapphira, they're struck dead because of their lying to the Holy Spirit. It says fear came upon all the church. I think that's God's point there in Leviticus chapter 10. God says, I'm not going to have that. And he wants the people to recognize uh, the seriousness of respecting his holiness and when we fail to regard him as holy. Same thing could be said in with Israel and Uzzah in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Uh, but in Romans chapter 1, you have God says they, they knew God, verse 21, they knew God, but they didn't honor him as God. What's the result? All sorts of depravity. You see, the reason why we have such an issue with so many morality issues in our society today uh, why abortion is such a big deal, why uh, people are so upset that they can't murder their own children, why homosexuality is a big deal, why transgenderism is such a big deal. And it's even starting to come to pedophilia even, which I, I don't understand. But um, even beyond that, the murder, the lying, the stealing, the uh, just the gross immorality that is so prevalent in our society, it all comes back to the fact that people don't honor God as God. Yeah. There is no fear of God before their eyes, it says in Romans 3 and verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes, and when there's no fear of God before their eyes, sin all of a sudden doesn't seem such a big deal. And, and the Old Testament's filled with these ex examples. I mean, yep. it, Moses... Moses, the friend of God, didn't get to go to the promised land. Why? Because there was an occasion he lacked reverence. He did not obey. Uh, but the Israelites, you know, and, and when they crossed the Red Sea, what was that Exodus 14? Um, they, they, I mean, how many people have actually seen an ocean part? <laughs> right. And the people cross on dry land. And then a short time later, they're crying and whining about, you know, uh, food. So reverence is very, very important and, and God demands it. And that's something that I, I'm going to second with Josh. I believe many, many people, and I'm going to include myself in this on from time to time. I have to remind myself of this, mm -hmm. that you better give God his respect because he is the one, if he can, if he can uh, slay Nadab and Abihu, why wouldn't he do it to you? I mean, he can he can wipe you out when he's ready to take you out. He gave you life; he can take it away. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, he's God, and we better be giving him his just due. And can I, uh, real quick, I wanted to say about Nadab and Abihu, what they did was presumptuous, right? Yeah. Because God, they hadn't quite received all of the instruction just yet. And so they were very presumptuous in getting that fire. So it wasn't even like, oh, God had said to get it here, and they went and got it there. You know, they they were presumptuous in what they did at the time that they did it. And again, even that shows a lack of reverence. Sure. And, and I do want to point out, you know, I, we've made application to some of the stuff that's going on in our society today, uh, but I want to hit on what Richard said, as he said, even himself, even me, all of it, all three of us here today, uh, we have the obligation to continue to make sure that God maintains his proper place within our hearts. Um, 
that's just as applicable to us as Christians as it is to anybody else. We're not involved in, or we might not be as involved in homosexuality or abortion or transgenderism or whatever it might be as the people of the world, but murder, uh, fornication, pornography, uh, lying, drunkenness, drunkenness, you know, immodesty, all of that is a result of a lack of fear of God. And we're just, we can be just as guilty of that. I'd look at uh, Colossians chapter three, the end of Romans chapter one there, uh, Galatians chapter five, the works of the flesh. Uh, see what, what might apply to your life. What, what might be uh, residing within your heart as a result of reverence, as a result of fear of God, a lack of fear of God, and, and go about uh, placing God on his throne recognizing that it's your obligation to please him in all things and go about making those changes in your life so that he can be honored so that he can have the glory and honor that he so richly deserves. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we've had, I, I think a pretty good conversation on the foundation of this idea of, you know, what is lacking in your faith, right? Uh, Rich, I don't know if there's any comments you want to bring up or anything you want to say on, on that, if there is, go ahead. Otherwise, well, I, I just I, I want to say I think reverence and authority, the, the discussion of authority goes hand in hand. Yeah. But because you yield, I mean, we always start whenever we're trying to study, usually with someone who does not have a faith, we start with authority. Mm -hmm. And and that that is framed around reverence. The who has the right to be able to tell you what to do. And and that's God. And let me tell you something. He is not going to give that up. I don't care what any man says. I know there's a lot of things on the news here lately about uh, people saying there is no God and things of that nature. God is not going to give up his position. And we are going to give an account to him. So the, the very fact that he has the right to command, we have to respect that. Yeah. Okay, that, that's all I had. Okay. So uh, when you go back to Second Peter, the, the book of Second Peter, first of all, is is full of the this idea of not only reverence but building upon our faith from the very beginning of the book in Second Peter chapter one verse three. He's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness according to the knowledge of Him. To the very you know towards the end of the book, Second Peter chapter three verse eighteen grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. You know, when you get there to the back in, in chapter one of second Peter there in verse five, one of the very first things add to your faith, virtue to your virtue, knowledge, right? So he goes from this moral purity, uh, a virtue uh, to, to knowledge and, and knowledge is at the heart of, in the center of all of this as well. Because without the knowledge, it, it's hard to understand and have reverence for God without understanding and, and knowing who he is and his nature. And that's what the word does. That's what, you know, growing in our knowledge and understanding of God uh, comes from his word, the word that has been revealed to us, the scriptures that are God breathed, that equip us for every good work, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. And so, all of these things are important and vital for us to understand. And, and while we need to have that reverence and respect for God, uh, you know, it, it, it not only helps us 
to study and grow and add knowledge to that faith. Uh, but it, you know, it's important to have the proper understanding so that we can truly revere, respect, fear, um, and give God the glory that he deserves. You talking about wisdom? Well, that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wisdom. Okay. So real quick, the difference between knowledge and wisdom. All right. Um, you know, knowledge, I mean, people can have book smart, they can quote things, they, they can study things and they can tell you how to do, you know, how to do something or, you know, have the knowledge of how to do it. But wisdom, I would say is the application of that knowledge, you know, being able to apply it, um, you know, and so, you know, there's, it's one thing to have knowledge, but to have wisdom would be then applying that knowledge properly. Knowledge, wow. knowledge is, uh, learning and knowing that, uh, a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing not to put that tomato in your fruit salad. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. It's toys now, right? Thank you. Yep. But uh, that's good. Uh, knowledge is important. Uh, and knowledge goes right along with reverence because if you have that proper reverence, as Josh has been talking about, then you are going to set your heart out to learning the will of God. Now, I, I've already bragged about a sermon that uh, Josh gave, but I listened to a couple that Chris gave uh, up here in Kansas City over the weekend. And uh, he talked about how the word is revealed to us today. And it's, and it's a good lesson. And, and uh, I would advise everyone to uh, uh, listen to them. Uh, if you can go to the Nashua Church of Christ in Kansas City and, and uh, listen to the, the services they had over the weekend, you'll hear him, you'll hear him speak. But there was, I, Chris and I talked about it last night, there's one passage that he left out that I wish he'd have added. And that is the, the blessing of Jesus in John 17. When he's praying to God, you know, he, he, he asked for a blessing on those whom will believe uh, based upon the word of his disciples, these apostles. Uh, that's how men was going to learn. That's how men were going to be blessed by God is by listening to the word of the apostles. And so it's not through some crazy means by which we gain this knowledge. Uh, it is through basically listening to the word of God, which was came down to us. Uh, Jesus came, the Lord gave it to Jesus. Jesus gave it to his apostles and the apostles took it to the whole world. And we have it recorded for us in the New Testament. So we can learn, as Chris pointed out in this lesson, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We can gain the knowledge that we need just by studying the will of God. Now, wisdom, you know, there's more to learning wisdom than just reading the Bible. We can learn how other people gained wisdom, but as James says, we can pray for wisdom, and the Lord has ways of teaching us uh, through the experience of life that will help us to apply that very knowledge that, uh, uh, the Bible gives. Very good. Yeah. Josh. 
Um, you want me to move on to another thing? To yeah, go for it. Okay. All right. Um, I think another thing that is lacking in some faith, and probably in all of ours to some degree, is the idea of sacrifice. Uh, in you, you read through the Old Testament, Leviticus in particular, in the first few chapters of the book of Leviticus, uh, God describes the various sacrifices that the people of Israel would offer. You have the burnt offering. Uh, they would bring the bull. I mean, and I, I mean, as far as the picture is concerned, uh, you would cut the throat to allow it to bleed out and then present it to the priest so that he could offer it as a sacrifice. That's a dead animal. You're offering a dead animal as a sacrifice unto the Lord. Romans 12 and verse 2 says you are to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. He's not saying you physically, you offer your dead body to the Lord. No, he says you offer your life to the Lord. And I think we need to recognize the fact that our life as children of God, our faith is about sacrifice. That's part of denying yourself in Matthew 16, verse 24. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, Jesus says. That means I sacrifice my will so that Christ's will can be accomplished within my life. That means that I'm, I'm, I'm sacrificing my life so that God may be honored and God may be glorified in, in what I do. It's not, as Paul says in Galatians 2 and verse 20, it's not I who live, but Christ lives in me. And so, I think we need to emphasize the the need for sacrifice throughout our lives today uh, because that's vitally important. And I think the biggest problem in a lot of Christians' lives is the fact that they haven't sacrificed their will entirely to the Lord. And that goes back to reverence partly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the foundation of, of, of all of this. Yeah. Right. Right. And so... I I think that's covered in, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Did I cut you off? No, no, you're fine. Okay. I think it goes back to second Peter one, four through eight that Chris mentioned, uh, temperance, uh, self-control, uh, you know, what you're doing is you are denying yourself, uh, the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, pride of life First John two sixteen. Uh, that's what you're doing. Uh, you are transforming yourself. By this sacrifice in Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, by, by sacrificing what you want to do, what you used to want to do, so that you'll do what Christ wants you to do. In Romans 6, you know, that's what takes place with baptism. That old man, and, and I, this, Chris, I tell you what, Josh, I think most people don't understand what takes place at baptism. But baptism is a, a burial. And who are we burying? We're burying that old man of sin with all his want-tos because he has sacrificed him. He has put him to death. He's done that himself. And now we're going to bury them in that watery grave of baptism, and he's going to come up, as Romans 6 says, a new man. Now he's going to live after the will of Christ versus the will of himself. And that's the sacrifice. That's temperance that... uh, uh first Peter two is, is, is speaking of, and we need to be absolutely, we need to be, uh, exercising self-control now. Hey, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that is easier to preach than it is to do. Amen. But we're talking about what do I lack? I mean, that's the whole emphasis of the show. 
what does my faith lack yet? So we can grow, you know, we can work on these things. We, uh, the first uh, part, first problem, uh, or the first obstacle in solving any problem, excuse me, is to, uh, to be able to see it, to be able to know what you got to do. Just like that rich young ruler we talked about earlier, you know, what do I lack yet? Well, once you know what you have to do, you can start working on it. And so this idea of temperance or sacrifice, as Josh pointed out, that that is something we got to work on. Yeah. And and that is a continual thing each and every day. Uh, it's something we have to pray about. It's something we have to battle, but we can do it and we can get better at it uh, with the Lord's help. I so, surrender all. I surrender I think all. Some of us. Uh, in our lives, it's more of a, I surrender some like the, the song, Oh, the bitter pain and sorrow that a time could ever be when I proudly said to Jesus, all of self and none of thee. And, and then you see that transition, some of self and some of thee, and then mm -hmm. less of self and more of thee. And then finally, none of Lord, self. at last, thy love has conquered all, all of thee. none of self and all of thee. How many of us have reached that point of none of self and all of thee? I dare say none of us have. And I hope that we're we're in the less of self and more of thee category, and we're we're working every day to say none of self and all of thee. But that's the goal: complete yeah. and total surrender. I surrender all yeah. to him. I, know, I remember a little cartoon that uh, a guy was getting ready to baptize somebody. They're standing in a pool, and and he says, "Everything that goes under the water belongs to God." And then the next scene is. The man is <laughs> baptizing the, the guy and up sticking up out of the water is a hand with all the guys, the wallet and money in the wallet. Um, you know, it's like, okay, <laughs> I'm giving everything except for this, you know, to the Lord. Uh, and that's, that's not how it works. And, and they didn't, they didn't do that in Acts four. I mean, th there was a need in the church in Acts four and even, you know, the rich young ruler that we just talked about earlier, that was his problem in, in Matthew 19. Um, what he lacked was his covetousness ways. Well, uh, that one was more thing, one more thing that he lacked, and I think this will be the last thing we'll really be able to cover because of time while there's so much. And that's the last thing mentioned, I think, in Second Peter chapter 1, uh, verse uh, there in verses five through eight, add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness. And then finally he says love. And I think that's the other motivator. When, when we look at adding to our faith, you know, some of the things that lack our, in our faith and motivate us is a love, a love, not only of God, but a love of the souls around us, you know, to have the knowledge and the wisdom to teach to, you know, uh, remember Hebrews 5, verse 12, by now you ought to be teachers. Um, we're told in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, you know, to, to commit these to faithful people that they can go out and teach others also. And so how do we do that? How do we get to that point in our faith where, we're, uh, where we are not only having, you know, building our reverence and our knowledge, I think it has to do with love, loving the truth, loving God and loving our neighbor, right? Love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, I think that's another big uh, motivator to make sure all these other things are falling into place.
Well, getting, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> uh, getting back to my point, uh, if you go back and look at Matthew 19, like we said, that rich young man, what do I still lack? And I said it was, you know, he had, it was his money. That money was the thing that was lacking in his faith. And so when we're thinking about what we're lacking in our faith, it could just be that one thing. And that goes along with the point that you have to surrender all, as Josh said. You cannot allow, you can't be a 99% Christian. You got to be all in. And so you can't hold up your money when you're getting baptized. You can't hold up anything. You can't hold up family. Uh, you can't hold up uh, some form of entertainment. Uh, whatever it is that you you treasure, you can't hold that back from God. You you're going to have to be willing to sacrifice everything for the Lord. Yeah, that was that was the point I was want to make. Now, getting to love, I'll say something about love. Um, love is important, absolutely. Without love, First Corinthians thirteen says we're nothing. You know, love has to be there. Uh, the problem I have with love, Chris and Josh, is that love is a, you know, boy, let me tell you something. That is something that, again, that's easy to preach. It's hard to do. That's right. Uh, uh, John 15, 13, greater love, you know, has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. And, and Jesus did that. In Romans 5, we read that he died for us while we were still his enemies. We were sinners. And he died for us. And, and that gets into the hard part because in Matthew chapter five and the sermon on the Mount, you know, that's what Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Uh, you know, you do good for them. Boy, that's hard to do. It's a lot easier to love people who love you instead of, you know, trying to add to the, those people who love, uh, uh, your enemies. Now, the people who do you harm. Now, I, I, we'd be remiss not to point out the example that Jesus said. Here he is on the cross, hanging on the cross, and he prays to the Father, and he didn't say, Lord, smite them all, they're killing me. He didn't say that. He said, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Now, this love is possible to attain because we see that Stephen in Acts 7 had the same love. What did he say? Uh, Father, forgive. He said the same, basically the same thing. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. In other words, they understood that the wrath of God was so far worse for these people that they they would rather they wanted to waive any revenge that might come upon uh, the loss of their life because they knew how bad the wrath of God would be. And so he's like, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're trying to hold back. That's the type of love we have to have. We have to be willing to sacrifice even our own lives for the betterment of those who are willing to kill us. And that's a deep love. And let me tell you something, that doesn't happen overnight. No, that, that takes work. Yeah. Josh, go ahead. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter six is where Jesus quotes from in Matthew 22, where he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, if you look at the surrounding context there, I think it gives us some indication or some understanding of what loving the Lord your God with all your heart actually looks like. Because in the first three verses, 
Uh, he's talking about the statutes, the judgments which God has commanded you. He says you might do them. Uh, you might be careful to observe them. You should, verse three, you should listen and be careful to do it that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly. If I love the Lord with all my heart, I'm going to do what he says. And then in verse uh, six through the re uh, through eight or nine, he talks about that they shall be on your heart, not just you know them. They're on your heart. That means they're they're important to you. Yeah. Um, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk of them when you sit in your house, walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. I'm going to share it with those who are most important to me because I want them to love the Lord too. And I'm going to bind them as a sign on my hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. The Pharisees literalized that and that they had that box on their forehead. But I, I think the point that Moses is making here is not that you need a literal box on your forehead, but you need to love the, the scriptures, the word of God as such, uh, so much that it's as if it were right there on your forehead or if it's as on your hand. And you shall write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. You should carry it with you everywhere you go. As you leave, you remember the word of God. As you go throughout your life, you remember the words of God. And so uh, I think that gives us a good picture of what loving the Lord your God with all your heart really looks like. It means that I'm going to love him and his word and I'm going to make that the most important thing to me. That's going to be the very pattern by which I live my life. And that's going to be uh, what I'm going to carry with me throughout all of my life. And so I think that gives us a little insight into what Jesus says there in Matthew chapter 22. And, and Josh, to go along with what you just said, the rich man, Lazarus, uh, the rich man, when he opened up his eyes, after he died, he opened up his eyes in that flame and torment. At that point, what did he want for his family? Someone to go back. The word of God. They wanted, yes, there was it was it was the word he wanted for his family. The problem for him was it's too late. And, but we still have breath. We still got time. We can do that. It's it's available to us today. But uh, there will be a time you're gonna want that. I take that from that story. If if we lose our souls, there will be a time. When you're going to want that for your family, and that will be the one thing you're going to ask for, uh, is that they be aware of the word of God and, you, you know, it, take advantage of it while you can. Yeah. That's all I can say. Amen. All right, guys. I, I think this has been a good study and give a lot of folks things to think about. Well, we couldn't get through everything because there's so much when it comes to adding to our faith. I, I think this is, uh, something that if folks will take these things to heart, uh, it really gives them a good foundation to build upon and and uh, and helps us for our own self-examination as well as we look at our own faith and you're making sure that we're taking the right approach and that we're building and, and growing the way that we should. Um, any last thoughts, Richard? Second Peter 1, everybody study that. Second Peter 1, 4 through 8. Yep. Uh, do a do a good study on that and uh and do your self-examination make, make sure everything's uh make, <laughs> make sure everything's right yeah josh last thoughts i did but when you started your conclusion there i i forgot it so <laughs> <laughs> all right 
Well, folks, we appreciate everybody tuning in and listening and sharing out the program. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button uh, again and uh, tune in every Thursday morning uh, and search the scriptures with us as Berean Spirits. Well, folks, that's all for today. Don't worry. Lord willing, the guys will be back next week for another Bible study on Berean Spirits. Until then, let the guys hear from you. Drop them some email at reinspirits at gmail.com. They'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep studying that Bible. <laughs> <laughs>